you ready to live your best life, be stronger, and fall in love with yourself? It's possible, and it's inside you, but you need to unlock the power within. Welcome to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. Jody used to be afraid to take risks. It took some stepping out of her comfort zone to get her there. Along with her guests and their stories, Jody will help you to live your best life ever. Now, here's your host, Jody Harrison Bauer. Hello, everybody. I'm Jody Harrison Bauer, and welcome to Fearlessly Authentic. I'm so happy to have you join me today and my guest. If you are a first time listener, welcome to the show. This is the show where we educate, empower, entertain a little bit, and inspire you to live a fearlessly authentic life. And with each guest I have every week, we talk about an obstacle they've overcome or a fear they've overcome or a service or a product that they're working with that is helping other people live their fullest lives. And I love this because we get to share everybody's experience because everybody has an experience for a fear or an obstacle that they have overcome. And I've learned so much in the past two years. Anyway, for everybody who's listening, 100 countries, thank you so much for listening. I'd love to hear from you. So remember to rate, review, subscribe. We have a five-star rating and I want to keep it that way. So keep them coming. Please share this with everybody you know. You can also subscribe on YouTube at Jody Harrison Bauer. So go there so you can see what my beautiful guests look like and you know, sometimes it's just nice to see what the person looks like rather than just always listening to us. And one other thing I wanted to share before I start with the show is a year and a half ago, I turned, I can't believe it, I turned 60 years old. So I am now 61 years old, 61 and a half almost. And I decided to go more plant-based and I chose Sakara as the company that I would work with because I didn't know how to create uh, plant-based meals. I didn't know what would taste good. So they deliver plant-based meals to your home, breakfast, lunch, dinner. They have snacks. They have a metabolism powder. They have an energy bar, a metabolism bar. Um, it is a great, great way to start your plant-based journey if that is something that is important to you. And I love the way I feel because of Sakara. So you can use my code and get 20% off. So it's XOJody to save 20% off on your first purchase. And that's if you go to Sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A.com. XOJody, save 20% off. Okay. That's it. I hope you go to Sakara. If you do, please let me know what you get and how you feel. Um, I'm always excited to hear from everybody. So here we go. I have Summer Lee joining me today. I'm so excited to have you here. Summer, hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited too. And I just love that picture behind you. It is <laughs> a surfer. Is it? A, it's a surfboard with the Chanel logo. Yep. Yep. Is it's there, a good one. I love it. It's one of my why favorites. Why did you choose that picture? Honestly, it just, it just kind of stuck out. It's actually one of our brand partners. They were nice enough to offer me um, a little move-in present when we bought this home. And I saw it on the website and I was like, I had to have it. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love that. I am going yeah. to introduce you to everybody who is listening. Um, Summer Lee is an influencer marketing strategist and founder of Spark Talent Group, a modern talent agency representing top tier digital creators. Over the last several years, Summer has strategized and executed influencer marketing campaigns at several leading agencies and at TikTok in-house. Very, very cool. 
Um, yeah. yeah, you've already had at the age of what, 25, you are 26? 25, I will be 26 in two months. <laughs> okay. So at the age of 25, you have already done so much. Let's start from the beginning, not from when you were born. Um, but, you know, in high school, did you have any idea of like what your family expected you to be or what you wanted to be? Any clue? Yeah, um, it was very different, I can tell you, than what I ended up doing. But I, my whole life, I had thought that I was either going to be a vet or a doctor. And I'd even gone to college thinking, okay, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to study biomedical science. But obviously, that didn't work out. <laughs> it's, yeah, did you, well, I know that we discussed, you know, in your culture, um, it, there's like this level of expectation that, you know, your family has for you. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a daughter of two immigrants um, from Taiwan, and my parents immigrated over to this country when they were in their 20s. And so I think part of that story and that culture is, you know, having a really stable job. People always talk about the top three. It's like lawyer, doctor, engineer. So um, and, you know, I kind of I've always loved animals. So that's kind of where it began is I was, you know, really interested in becoming a vet one day and that somehow switched over into becoming a doctor. And I think my parents were excited, you know, being the older child is very much kind of older child syndrome where, you know, very people please, or really wanted to make them happy. And, you yes, know, I, I really know. respect my parents. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of, yeah, that was kind of where, where it began. And, and that was, you know, what I had set out to do and what was what I kind of convinced myself that I wanted to do for a really long time. So I'm curious. So growing up, in your family was, I don't know where I just came up with this idea because I was thinking about, I'm Jewish. I grew up with two Jewish parents and it was go to college, meet somebody, get married. It was never, it was never about my career. It's, you know, I was born Mm -hmm. in 1960. So it's just so interesting that that influence is so important. And then when you break out of it, it's like you start you know, the family realizes, oh, okay, you don't have to be this. You start changing the way it history is going to, to be told, right? It's not lawyer, doctor, engineer. So was there any other, any other avenues? Was it just those three things in particular that your family were like, okay, you need to be one of these things? Yeah, I think that was really kind of the ultimate goal for them. And I was really lucky in that I, I, you know, met a lot of other, you know, friends or, or coworkers or colleagues from this similar background. And a lot of their parents are way more strict than mine. So I feel like even then I was a little bit on the lucky side, but it was, I feel like it's not so much about necessarily the prestige of the job, which of course, part of it is that, but I think it's also, you know, coming from an immigrant mindset, it's very much about stability and making sure that, you know, you never have to worry about uh, financial stability for the rest of my life. And so I think that was kind of a driving factor. And for, you know, when I had first decided to switch over from, you know, the science, like medicine field over into marketing, my parents were so freaked out. They thought I was, you know, going to be door to door salesman. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but, you know, I'm sure we can understand a parent being really worried, um, especially when they had thought this whole time I was going to be a doctor and that was what I wanted to do. So they were very much freaked out when I kind of wanted to shift paths a little bit. But always really supportive. 
Yeah, I think it took a little bit of getting used to for the first probably like year or two. They definitely were very skeptical, um, really unsure. But I think, you know, after a little while of getting used to the idea, um, they now have become very supportive and, and are, you know, on, you know, very, very, um, yeah, just generally supportive. I think that's great. You know, you're you're setting the tone for everybody here. So you go to school, you switch your major, you go into marketing. What happens when you get out of school? Were you and you know, was your attitude, it sounds like you're very close to your parents. So is your was your attitude, hey, listen, trust me, I feel right about this. I'm a really responsible person. You got to trust me on this. So was there a, do you think there was more pressure on you when you graduated to really get a killer job to show your parents that you did make the right decision with this new switch? Yeah, a hundred percent. It's kind of a funny story because, um, you know, first out of college, I decided to pursue this marketing career and not, you know, I was still young also, like not fully sure what that meant. And there's so many jobs under the marketing umbrella. I wasn't quite sure what exactly I wanted to do within that. And so I definitely felt some pressure to make sure it was a good job, you know, with a good salary. And I ended up moving out to San Francisco for my first job out of college. And it was a really big shift. Um, But it's a funny story because as I was making the shift in my major and deciding to pursue marketing or communication slash business, um, I had told my dad, you know, I was Googling all these salaries on like Glassdoor and just on Google of like marketing manager salary. And I was showing him like, look, you know, directors of marketing can make a hundred thousand dollars a year. Like I'll be okay. You know, some of the salaries being comparable to, you know, a doctor's salary. Once you have a little bit of experience, my dad kind of laughed at it. It was like, ah, oh, director of marketing, you're not going to get there for like 10, 15 years. And then it all kind of came full circle because at my first job, um, albeit it was a startup. So I kind of uh, hop the ladder a little bit, but I was, I ended up being promoted about a year and a half into director of growth kind of role and had hit the salary requirements within a year. And so my dad was, it was a very full circle moment where he was like, okay, my baby's going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. Wow. Wow. What was the startup? Uh, so it was a company called Unity Influence that eventually um, rebranded into a company called Catalog. So started out as kind of an influencer marketing platform, really similar to a lot of the big ones that are out there right now. And then we kind of shifted over into the content space um, a little bit in, you know, as startups go, you change business models a couple of times. Right. So when you talk about the influencer world to content, explain that to somebody who doesn't know what that means. Yeah, absolutely. So with influencers, I think it's very much um, intertwined. Uh, Both of them have a lot of, it's kind of like a Venn diagram. There's a lot in the middle. Um, But with influencers, a huge reason to use influencers for marketing purposes is to get content out of them. So they can produce really high quality content as you do. Um, And, you you know, brands are able to use that content uh, for their marketing purposes. But on the flip side of it, you know, um, we were essentially trying to solve this problem of it's so expensive for brands to get custom high quality, you know, produced content. So we're not talking influencer content anymore. It's more like photo shoot, you know, with the stylist, with the producer, all of, you know, the, the whole nine yards um, on the other side. And so we were trying to figure out a way to kind of scale that process for brands. And so that was kind of the problem that we were trying to solve. You know, it sounds like that so many influencers and that ranges from, you know, if you're on Instagram, for example, or TikTok, because TikTok, there's so many influencers now, um, that whether you have 
200 or 2000 or 20,000 or 2 million followers, um, you do have some influence. And so do you find that if you pick the right influencer versus spending all the money with a photo shoot where I would think using the influencer for the most part is more cost-effective, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's my one of my favorite things about working with content creators and influencers is that they really kind of are one-stop shop for so many things. And it's really, you know, traditionally you go to a celebrity, they pose with your product once and that's kind of it. Um, but with an influencer, as you know, you're, you know, you're the, you're the producer, you're the set designer, you're the costume designer, you really are kind of all encompassing and, and to be able to have kind of a one-stop shop to have this this really high quality produced content from an influencer who can kind of handle, you know, the beginning to end for you. It's very much more cost effective and time effective to be truthful. I, yeah, I would think so. So you're, so after that startup, how long were you there? And then what was the next jump? Cause you've, you've had a pretty full career so far. Yeah, so I, I got about a year of uh, start time because I graduated a little early and um, was working for that company before I graduated. So I kind of jumped the gun a little bit um, in, at the end of my college career. But um, basically after that, I was about I was there for about three years. Um, from that point, I uh, freelanced and contracted at a couple different influencer marketing agencies. It was kind of when, right around when COVID was about to hit slash was hitting. So it's kind of figuring out like, okay, what do I want to do for my next step? Um, and I had spent the last three years, you know, working on this product and working with all these influencers kind of was the go-to at the company for all things influencers and had a couple internships in that in, in college as well. So, um, you know, I was kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. And that's kind of when start uh, spark kind of came about is in 2020. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So when you left home, you're from the Texas area, right? Yep. From Dallas. Yep. From Dallas. And then, so then you went out to San Francisco, you said, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so was that, yep. or yes, go ahead. So I was actually only in San Francisco for about three months before oh, okay. a whole company moved down to LA. So I was in LA for about three years. So for a young girl graduating from college, um, what, what kind of advice would you give? I mean, that's a big jump, you know, like you're in Dallas, then you move out to the West coast with a startup, what's your attitude? I mean, I think a lot of people graduating from college might be a little bit nervous to leave, go someplace they've never been to or never lived and go to a startup. I mean, I know I hear stories about people doing that, but you know, how did that feel? Especially because your parents were expecting you to do this, 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 and this. Now you're like, yep. And I'm going, and I'm going out West and going to a startup. I mean, that's a lot. That would be a lot for me to take it. (laughs) Yeah. um, Honestly, it was terrifying. It was really scary. Um, There were a lot of nights where I would just cry myself to sleep. Keep in mind, I was like 21 years old at the time. And I know a lot of people go through a lot more traumatic things, but I think I came from a quite sheltered background, Um, you know, yeah, was raised and born and raised in Dallas my whole life in a suburb in Dallas, not even Dallas, the city. So I was born and raised in Plano, Texas, like a very kind of suburban America situation and then went to college at Texas A&M where it's very conservative. Um, You know, it's, it's kind of, everybody's kind of doing the same thing. And so 
to, to make that jump was honestly really terrifying. And I think, um, but it's also looking back, I love kind of doing the, the kind of chain effect of, you know, if I hadn't done this, this wouldn't have happened. If I didn't do that, this wouldn't have happened. And I think that's one of the biggest kind of shifts in my life that I look back and I'm so thankful for it. Um, and it really was such an eye-opening experience. I got to meet so many different kinds of people, um, you know, in Texas relatively, you know, if you kind of, it's more of like, a, you know, there's similar types of people, especially if you grow up in the same area. But when you start to kind of branch out a little bit, you start to meet different people from different backgrounds, especially LA being such like a global city. Right. Um, it was it was awesome, but definitely very scary at times. I would have been scared to do that. And I would have been nervous for my daughters to do that being on the e- I'm on the East Coast and yeah. have them do that. I, I think it would be terrifying also, but we think about, you know, as, as we experience life, we think about all the dots behind us that connect to where we are right now. So if we had it, if you hadn't taken that leap, if you hadn't changed your major, if you hadn't done all of those things, and it really comes down to, you know, being very fearless and being authentic. It really, really yeah. is. And it takes a lot of guts to do that, to say, I'm going to step out outside this comfort zone and do something. And I think a lot of people are scared to do that, but I could be completely wrong. It might be very different now, but you were scared. You were terrified. Yeah, I definitely was. (laughs) That's good to know. That's so where did you go after you left um, L.A.? So after LA, this uh, brings us basically to uh, last year. Um, my boyfriend and I, we've been together for about six and a half years now. And wow. it was in the pandemic. We were stuck in this, you know, we loved our apartment. Don't get me wrong, but it was a <laughs> tiny two bedroom apartment in the middle of, middle of West Hollywood, you know, no balcony, no nothing. Like it was very kind of, it was great for when we were kind of living our daily lives because we didn't spend a lot of time there. But when we were, you know, quarantined, it was kind of like, oh man, uh, this is really, you know, a lot. And to be paying so much to live in such an expensive city, but not getting to enjoy it just didn't make a lot of sense for us. Um, And our whole plan was to eventually move back to Dallas anyway, because I I love Dallas and I love the people here and the environment here and it's growing so much. So we kind of figured, you know, we've saved up a, a decent amount of money. Let's go back home, buy a house and kind of start our lives here because we both were remote. So luckily, you know, that's something that we could take advantage of. So we decided to move back to Dallas um, around, uh, around this time last year. Wow. And that's when you decided to, you created Spark at that time. So tell us about Spark. Yeah. Yeah. So Spark um, kind of came about just because I, you know, have been working on the brand and agency side for the last several years. And I've worked with so many different creators and have met so many amazing, you know, influencers, and, um, you know, they've always been asking me, you know, Summer, what do I charge for this? What is whitelisting mean? What does this mean? Um, you know, should I work with this brand? How do I grow? And, you know, that was kind of, uh, a lot of the conversations that I had with them and kind of figured, Hey, you know what? Um, you know, I have loved working for a startup. I have done this for the brand. I've done it for an agency. Why can't I do this for myself? And, that day I signed up on rocket lawyer, set up an LLC and it's, you know, the rest is history. (laughs) Wow. Wow. So how many companies did you work for before you decided to go off on your own, the startup? And then you were interning at Fossil, right? Yep. I interned at Fossil in college and I had a couple other internships in college as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. 
So is that what really, I mean, having all of these different jobs, that's when you really, what is whitelisted, by the way? I don't know what it means to say whitelisted. Uh, it's essentially, yep. So that's when you essentially grant a brand the rights to boost your content um, and basically put it out and uh, put paid ads behind your content. So you have to have a business admin page on Facebook or whatever the platform is, and you basically grant them rights to boost your content. So how did that feel to like, okay, I'm going to do this. I can work remotely. And what made you feel that you were going to be successful? Like, where did the confidence come from? What were you feeling at the time? To be honest, I don't, um, thinking back to it, I think it was just kind of like, a. It was this idea that I had um, and kind of had noodled over it for a little bit as we were moving and, you know, kind of was like, you know, I've worked in this space for a little while and it's a relatively new industry, like, um, you know, and so much of it, I feel like is personal connection. And that's something that I really love and is probably, you know, and no matter what job I do, I really just enjoy connecting with different kinds of people and helping them, um, you know, whatever it may be, depending on whatever the skill set may be, but um, that was just something that I had really enjoyed in my previous job. And I just kind of figured like, you know, anybody can start a company nowadays. You just kind of work at it and make it work. And, um, it was something that I kind of really felt like I could help people with. And I really had something to offer and there was a market for, um, and it kind of was, I think I'm lucky in this sense that with this industry, you can kind of start it with literally nothing, but your, your brain and a computer, that's really all you need. Um, you know, for people who start like a product-based business, I think it's a little bit harder. There's a lot more of a startup cost, but for me, I didn't really have anything to lose, you know? So it's just kind of like, I believe in this. I feel like there's a market. Let's go for it. So what do you think? You said that you like working with people. Do you think that managing people is your biggest strength or strategizing? Why do you think you're good at this? Yeah, I think um, it's kind of a combination. I feel like with talent management, it's really so much personality and people management. And that was something at my last, my uh, first job out of college where I was able to lead a team of 12. And that was something that I like lit my soul on fire, like, you know, helping um, employees or, or team members to kind of, you know, what are they interested in and help them to learn and just provide them with the, the assets and the resources for them to learn. That was so exciting to me. It's not even about me teaching them. It's just kind of opening the doors where I can and guiding them in a certain way. And I really enjoyed that. And I feel like right now with us, it's, it's kind of the same thing where I'm able to really impact somebody's business and their livelihood just as, you know, one, one person. And I feel like that's just the impact that you can make. I think is just really cool. I think, you know, from being, I guess I'm, I I don't know if I'm an influencer or not. I don't, I don't know. I just do what I do. (laughs) I, I hope that I'm inspiring and, uh, inspiring people to, live a fearlessly authentic life and to be ageless and to not let age stop them from doing whatever they want and not defining it for them. But, you know, I think working with people that, that want the same thing. So you working with a talented person, talent, Um, You want to see them reach their goals. You know what they're good at. They know what they're good at. And so the two of you collaborate beautifully. But I'm sure there are times where you just meet somebody, maybe this hasn't happened yet, where you're just like, this isn't a good fit. And I'm going to send you maybe to somebody else or just say, I'm sorry, this, I don't think it's a good fit. Has that happened? 
Yeah, it, it happens all the time, really. I, the way that I always explain it is I feel like talent management and really any kind of client services based business is really like dating. Um, and sometimes maybe both sides are great on their own. They're both great people. They're offering, you know, great things, but it just isn't a fit. And um, the world is so big. So, you know, I, for us, we really never take it as a personal thing. It's really just that, you know, maybe the vibe is off. Maybe we just, you know, work differently. Everybody has a different working style and that happens all the time in any sort of nine to five job or in a, you know, entrepreneurship type um, situation. Um, And so it does happen all the time. A lot of times it is kind of a tricky situation if somebody maybe doesn't fully understand that. Um, But really all you can do is just do your best, be empathetic. And, you know, however else somebody decides to respond, really isn't your responsibility after that point. So managing people has to be a great skill set for you. Managing, because you're managing talents, so you have to manage the person too. And sometimes I, I would think that sometimes the talent is wonderful, but dealing with the personality could be a little difficult. Yeah, that's, definitely. That's got to be challenging, uh, <laughs> right? And I think in our space, um, there's a lot of, you know, diva personality type things. Um, we're pretty low tolerance to that. Um, you know, I, I, we're pretty low tolerance to it. And we always, um, you know, have a pretty strong vetting process before ever signing on any talent. Um, and to kind of try and get that out of the way, obviously, sometimes things just slip through and, and, you know, that you didn't see the signs, which totally happens. And we're still learning a lot of that stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's especially in this influencer industry, you know, these, their jobs are literally to broadcast their life on social media. And everybody's asking you, you know, what do you do? What do you suggest? What do you recommend? What should I do about this? And so it it definitely tends to happen. Wow. I I find this incredibly interesting. And, you know, we talked before and I I do, I think you're so fearless for for doing the things that you're you're doing still, because we haven't even gotten to TikTok yet. So we're going to take a quick break and we will be back in a few minutes with Summer Lee. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Jody Harrison Bauer, and I wanted to invite you to join me and the rest of my team at Jody Fit as we work out to get positively fit for the summer. Yes, you heard me. We are getting positively fit to raise money for the Dan Cosgrove Animal Shelter this Saturday, June 27th at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. This will be a 40-minute no-equipment workout for all levels via Zoom. So you can join us from anywhere in the world. Go to the Dan Cosgrove Animal Shelter Facebook page to sign up and join us on Saturday. See you then. On Fearlessly Authentic, Jody talks about mental and physical well-being, and the key to both starts with proper nutrition. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan was created to help your body feel better. Whether your goal is to lose weight, gain muscle, or just feel lighter and more energetic, following this meal plan can help you get there. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a 21-day plan to help you learn the most important things about the food we eat and what foods are right for you based on your goals and activity level. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a real plan for real life. This is not a diet, but a change in lifestyle. The plan is simple and easy for you to follow. In the 21-day plan, you will receive meal ideas, snack ideas, a grocery list, 
and a 21-day journal crucial to your success with inspirational quotes to keep you motivated and keep track of your progress. The key to success is commitment, consistency, and willpower. Be fearless and trust the journey. Go to JodyFit.com to purchase the JodyFit meal plan now and use the promo code podcast to get 25% off. listening to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or comments you may have. Send an email to info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. That's info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. Now back to Fearlessly Authentic. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Fearlessly Authentic. I'm Jody Harrison Bauer, and I'm so happy to have you join us back after the break. I am here with entrepreneur, Summer Lee, and we were talking about taking risks, opening up your own business. She runs a talent agency, but it's not, it's a top tier influencer talent agency. When you, is that how you would describe it? Yeah, absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. (laughs) Okay. So top tier versus low tier. What's the difference? Good question. Um, I think a lot of people assume that it means high following or high reach, and that's definitely not the case. Um, It essentially just means that we have really great talent that is really great at what they do. So maybe that's a really engaged audience. Maybe their content is top notch, you know, really high production value. Um, It could mean a lot of a lot of different things. So high quality, you're getting, you're getting high quality with, with your agency. So let's talk about what happened. So you start spark it's in the middle of the pandemic, yep. right? Yep. And then how, well, TikTok happens. What, what, what happened there? When did <laughs> that happen? Tell take me through that whole thing. Cause I, I was so excited. I, I knew you back then and I was so excited for you, but give us all the information on that. Yeah. So it was kind of a, a, a funny story, I guess. It was just one of those, like, you know, if you believe in God, like a God moment, um, it was so essentially I was working on spark for probably, I think around a year at that point, things were going well. I was really enjoying it. Um, I spent a little bit of my free time, just working on consulting work for a couple different agencies. I was living the entrepreneur life where, you know, I, I felt just really excited to be doing what I was doing and um, really loved the clients that I was working with. But I, one of the girls that I used to manage, she used to do a couple deals with TikTok. Um, so TikTok has like an in-house content agency, essentially like a creator partnerships agency. Um, and uh, basically my, my boss um, who, my future boss, I guess, at this point, uh, reached out to me and was like, Hey, uh, you know, we've got a couple spots on the team. Would you be open to jumping over to work with us? And so at the time it was like, you know, it was such an exciting opportunity. And I think part of the worry when kind of leaving to run your own business is, I don't know how long this is going to last me. I don't know where this is going to go. And, you know, it's, I had been approached with a couple opportunities that I really kind of entertained for a little bit, but, and ultimately ended up turning down um, to go back to a nine to five job. But when TikTok approached and I, you know, had the offer in my hand, it was kind of like, oh man, in my, in my industry, it really does not get more cutting edge than TikTok. And it was, you know, early 2021 where, you know, it's really blowing up. Like it's pretty established at this point. So, 
it was kind of like, gosh, I think I got to do this. Um, you know, and, and it was just, it felt like an opportunity I couldn't turn down. And, um, I ended up, uh, signing the offer and I ended up joining the company and I was there for about eight, nine months, um, and just left recently earlier this year. Um, and I know the tenure wasn't very long, but essentially kind of to, to walk through my thought process with it. I, I love the team. You know, I have nothing bad to say about the company um, as a whole. I think it was just kind of a situation where I was, you know, comparing what I was doing at and as a nine to five corporate employee compared to what I was doing prior to that, you know, running my own business, working with the people that I chose to work with. Um, and, you know, it kind of being able to solve a lot of big problems as a small company. And it just felt so much more, you know, intentional and purposeful to me and fulfilling uh, to kind of run more of a, the startup situation and, and kind of run my own business and kind of grow and scale that. Um, and so I left my job in February to pursue Spark full time. Again, so fearless, um, because how do you turn down an opportunity with TikTok? Like, who does that? Nobody. But, you know, props to you for taking it and saying, this has been great. I'm so glad I did it. But I really, being an entrepreneur is really, being a business owner is really, really what I love to do. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to your parents for a minute. What were they saying when you have this opportunity? And then did you discuss with them? I know you're you're older now. So but did you discuss with them? Hey, I think I'm going to leave. What, what was the whole process with them when they heard first about TikTok and then you were leaving? Yeah, um, that's thinking back to it, I guess. Um, when I first got the job, I think they were very excited. And I feel like um, working at TikTok was almost, I feel like a checkbox in their head of like, yeah, she'll be okay. Um, and so I think it was something that, you know, what was almost like a verification, like, okay. Um, you know, legitimizing. Well, she got, she got the corporate job. She got the 401k. She's getting the benefits that she would have gotten being a doctor, lawyer, engineer, or working for a big corporation. Yeah, exactly. And I think having had an offer that, you know, was a competitive salary and having all these benefits, like you said, I think they definitely felt a lot more comfortable and were like, okay, um, you know, this, this field is, is something that's sustainable. It's something that is, you know, not only my interested, but is, you know, can, can survive, I, I can survive off of this. And so I think that point, um, at that point, they were very supportive about the job and, and were pretty excited. And, um, but at the point when I was quitting, I, to be honest, it's kind of a funny thing because I am very close to my parents and kind of usually with any major life decision, even some minor life decisions, I'm, you know, running it by them to confirm approval. And right. it's something I need to work on, but, no, okay. um, you know, you know, they don't have the answers. I will tell you, I heard from from a very wise man, make sure that you ask the questions to people who actually have the experience in that, because we do tend to go to our parents. Um, mine are not here anymore, but you know, go into your parents and, but they don't always have the best advice, but you'll learn that. But of course, at your age, you're doing that. And that's, it's beautiful <laughs> that you have, you're that close to your parents. Yeah, definitely something I'm still learning. And I think there's some things where I'm like, yeah, I think times have changed a little bit, but that's yeah. such a good point. Um, but I think at that point, so my boyfriend was the one who has been really kind of encouraging me to leave my job. You know, we both, he's a software engineer, so he has a very stable career and he's like, you know, 
we don't have children right now. We don't have any major responsibilities. Like if this is something that you feel like, you know, you really want to do, um, now is the time to do it. Um, you know, eventually when let's say we have children, it's not to say that you can't do it, but you've just got a lot more responsibilities and things to think about. Um, and so he was really kind of encouraging me to just pursue what I wanted to do. And, um, so I have him to thank for, but basically at that point I had already decided that this is what I was going to do. I was going to quit my job. I made a plan. And funnily enough, I think subconsciously didn't want my parents to disapprove. And so I just went ahead and quit my job. And afterwards I, you know, had a little bit extra free time and was visiting my parents one time. And they were like, you quit your job, didn't you? And I was like, yep, I did. So I didn't even tell them until after I did it. (laughs) Wow. And, and again, what was their reaction? I mean, they've been so proud of you all along. It sounds like they've always had a lot of faith in you and love your boyfriend for being so supportive because people have supportive significant others just do so well in life and in work because you've got to have that you've got to have that that connection that support um so when they you told them that you had left tiktok after they thought okay this is like the pinnacle of, of what she wanted to do and now she's left what did they say? Were they, they probably had a lot of faith in you at this point that you're making all the right decisions. Yeah. I think at this point they were, they were pretty supportive um, about it. And I think there, you know, have been a couple of things where um, I feel like made them feel a lot more secure about it. And that like, my dad has been preaching to me about investments my whole life and savings. And I think even when I was working on Spark before TikTok, you know, that was something that I my dad helps me to manage some of my investments. And so that was one thing where I felt like he was seeing that I was still sticking to that was making enough of an income to kind of sustain my lifestyle and, you know, make sure that I was living to, you know, the quality of life that I wanted to live. And I feel like after those things were checked off, my parents are like, okay, do what you want to do. As long as you're happy, as long as you're taken care of. (laughs) I love that. I really do. So tell me what, what kind of tips would you give your top tips, two, three, four, however you have, um, to young, we're going to stick to women here, young women who want to start their own business. Maybe they've been out in the work field and they've worked for a big company or they worked for somebody else. And they're like, you know what? I've really honed these skills and I want to go off on my own. What would you tell them to do? Yeah. I mean, the first one, I know this sounds so cliche, but I think it's just do it like really, um, you know, I know everybody kind of has a different financial situation and, you know, I was very lucky in that I was able to do it without, you know, a ton of worries, but assuming all of that is, is, you know, okay. And you're able to stay in yourself and you can, and even if it's not, maybe it's like setting a goal for you to save up a certain amount so that you can pursue what you want to do. Um, I think is to just start. I think a lot of people kind of get bogged down in some of the details of like, oh, I got to set this up. I want to set up my social media. I got to set up all these things. I got to, you know, um, think about some of the more big picture stuff. But I think a huge thing that I've seen with my own business and with a lot of other fellow entrepreneurs or colleagues or, you know, other people have started side hustles or full-time businesses, I think is to not get bogged down in those kinds of details and just start like throw it out there, see what works, see what doesn't, see what's And then at that point, you'll kind of reiterate and evolve, but just kind of start. How did you know that there was a need for spark in, in, in the, in the space? Yeah. um, So I think on one hand, 
being that I had worked with a lot of influencers in the past, I kind of had an inkling and I had a little bit more of like data um, from other people and feedback of, you know, influencers and friends requesting um, these kinds of services. And, you know, I had talked to a couple other influencers and just kind of put a couple feelers out there, but also um, looking at other um other competitors or, you know, uh, people in the space who are already doing something similar and seeing like, okay, you know, they've been doing this for X amount of time, you know, what are things that I can learn from and what are things that maybe I can kind of recreate in my own style and in my own way. So having um, a talent agency, do you go out and find talent or do people come to you? So somebody's listening right now and they're talented um, and, or do you pursue them? How does it work or does it work both ways? Both ways. Um, so we have a lot, I think at this point now, um, we do a lot off of a referral kind of basis, word of mouth basis. Um, we've gotten enough amazing clients where I think a lot of it is just kind of a chain network effect. Right. Um, but in the beginning, uh, when it was just myself, I was the only agent at the company. It was me sitting here emailing people all day long um, right. and just sending out like, hey, here's what I can offer you. Here's my background. This is why I think we work together and, and doing a lot of that kind of cold pitching. But um, luckily now that's kind of died down a little bit just because we've kind of built up the roster now. Well, you know, we're all selling something, right? The first thing we have to know mm-hmm. is how to sell ourselves. I know in owning a business, a fitness studio, the first thing I'm selling is I know that I, I have what it takes to train somebody to help them lose weight, gain muscle, whatever their fitness goals are, but I have to sell myself first. I have to have integrity. I have to have the experience. It's funny because, and I don't know if this has happened to you yet, but people come to me and I've been doing this for 33 years. And I'll say to somebody, do you know anything about me? And they're like, no, but I know so-and-so works out with you. So I know you're good. And so, you know, you almost feel like, hey, well, do you want to know that I have the credibility, integrity, (laughs) that I have the experience that I'm just not some person who put my name out on there? You know, do you have that, um, that people are just, as you said, word of mouth or that you are, as you're pitching people and making cold calls, that um, you're selling yourself? Yeah, definitely a mix of both. And I that's, I think, huge for so many of the people with that I work with on a daily basis that I've brought over to Spark um, or on other business ventures. Um, so much of it is through referral. And I always say it's a small world, so don't piss anybody off. Um, Love yeah. That. And if you, I mean, our, our lovely bookkeeper, our CPA, um, you know, the girls that work with me at Spark and like so many people within um, our, our kind of sphere have all been through word of mouth. So I'm a big believer in referrals. Yeah. I like that too. What do you, what would you say is the biggest thing, the most important thing you learned when you were at TikTok? The most important thing I learned when I was at TikTok. Hmm. Um, I think I really got, um, a good knowledge of a good perspective on the industry as a whole. Um, and I think, you know, I had worked at a couple different agencies and the agency model compared to more of like a startup tech model is so different. And I had worked at a really small tech startup where I was like essentially the first or second employee uh, versus a TikTok where it is still a startup. It's still in startup stage, but it's a lot bigger. Um, you know, I think that was a, a really interesting transition to kind of get to see. And also I think I, I did get a lot of kind of actual 
tactile industry knowledge that maybe I wouldn't have gotten elsewhere. That's what I was thinking too, was that this is stuff you can't pick up maybe on the street. Like this is TikTok for God's sake. Like if you, I mean, the people that you're working with, the average age was probably what, 28? Probably. Yeah. Like early thirties. Wow. Wow. So were they surprised when you left? Is there, you know, were you, did you think you were going to be there when you took the job? Did you think this is it? Like maybe your parents thought this is it. I'm going to be here for a while. This is going to be good for me. Um, were you 100% two feet in, or did you think, you know, I'm going to go in here for a little while and then I I think I'm probably going to leave. I definitely thought I was going to leave at some point, but I think I thought that I was going to stay for a little longer than I did. My plan was to stay like a year and a half to two years to, to really, you know, in my mind, a huge part of it was like, I need to have this checkbox on my resume. I need to have this on my resume and for it to actually matter. It needs to be a year and a half to two years. Otherwise people aren't going to care. But I think a huge realization came from talking to different friends, mentors, my boyfriend is you know, if I, if I leave to pursue entrepreneurship, if I leave to do this, and even if it's not spark, if it's something else, the, the dream is that I don't need a resume anymore. Um, and mm-hmm. so I think that was a huge realization was like, you know, what exactly am I chasing here? And does that make sense to chase that? Um, or is it kind of just for external validation and not something that I really need or care about? So Okay. That I, I mean, like to have that on your resume, that's like amazing. It's absolutely amazing for young women who are starting their own business, young entrepreneurs are in a business, they're feeling overwhelmed. Tell me what a daily, what your daily life looks like and how you keep yourself organized and why that's so important and taking time for yourself. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, I guess there's a couple things. I, I've always been pretty organized. I put everything in my I got Google that calendar. feeling from you. I knew that. <laughs> I like I knew that just from talking to you and then here now. I, I know you are. <laughs> yeah, I like to keep things very organized. You know, my my Google calendar is very um, you know, siloed. I've got everything, life stuff, and then I've got business stuff, like very um, you know, clear cut. And even my boyfriend and I, like we we have kind of what we call a home calendar. So we've got all of that scheduled out, like our weekly date nights, anytime we have to take care of our dog or you know, for workouts, we have all of that scheduled. Um, which I think when you have a lot going on, it's just the easiest way to kind of um um, keep organized in that way. Um, I love looking at different kinds of software to help me keep organized. So I'm a big fan of Google Sheets, Google Docs. So my um, assistant, is, my assistant is probably listening to this right now. Who will be listening to it? He's saying, yes, Jody, we need to do those things. Cause I am, I'm not like that at all. I have 100,000 thoughts going through my head and I just think they're going to materialize on my Google calendar and they don't. That's so funny. Well, that's why you have a team, right? To help you out. And I, I feel like that's how a creative mind works. I think I have much more of an analytic, like organized mind rather than a creative mind and everybody's got a different strength, but um, yeah. And, you know, with, with email, I'm very prompt about emails usually and, yes, you, uh, you know, have all my labels and everything. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think as far as kind of, um, you know, making time for myself, usually pretty much around 6 PM, I pretty much shut off my computer. Um, I lo- I'm lucky enough where now living in Texas, we were able to get a house where I can have a separate office. And I think that's a huge game changer. 
um, when I was working corporate um, or at startups, it's when you're working nine to five, it's really easy to just be on your computer all the time because you've got a boss like, you know, watching right. to make sure you're doing everything you need to be. Um, but luckily now I think I am able to, you know, from the beginning, I'm very much of the mindset for myself and all employees, like take care of yourself first. We shouldn't be you know, um, living to work, it should be like, you know, your, your work revolves around how you want to live. So I've always kind of been of that. Yeah. Yeah, Because you want to have that non-toxic environment because I know people who have had very toxic workplaces and you, you never stop. You're always in front of your, your computer and there's never any downtime. And when you do take that downtime, you feel guilty or somebody's screaming at you for something. I mean, I, I just can't even believe those types of workplaces still exist, but that's when you say goodbye, shut the door. You're not, you know, you need to know what your boundaries are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think so when you wake up in the morning, what's a, a, a regular day for you? Do you go right to your emails or how does such an organized person like you stay on top of everything? What's a regular day? Yeah. Um, usually when I wake up in the morning, I'll, I'll usually check my phone and just kind of look through things. I'm not answering anything, just kind of checking, you know, what's my agenda for the day? What meetings do I have that day? Um, you know, any appointments that I've got to go to and just kind of map out my day in my mind. Um, from that point, I usually kind of get up and get ready and I'm not on my phone at all, not taking calls while I get ready. I used to do that. And I feel like it just puts you in a bad mindset. Um, so I really enjoy my like morning routine. I'll get up and I'll make my matcha or my coffee, whatever breakfast. Um, and then after that point, usually, um, either we'll like take a walk or try to do something physical. Some days it gets away from me. I'll be honest, but try to do something, you know, active. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then at that point, basically, um, once the workday starts and I'll come into my office and that's when I open up my laptop and kind of go through all my emails, clean everything that's junk or like anything that doesn't need to be done. I'm an inbox zero kind of gal. So no, I have about 30, I have about 35,000 unopened emails. I know it gives my my oldest daughter anxiety. (laughs) Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Don't let me see that. Um, (laughs) No, that would drive you crazy. (laughs) Um, and I usually like to schedule meetings, um, like after 12 o'clock. So I leave the morning. I've always, I don't know where I heard this from, but you're supposed to leave your most important creative work in the morning because that's when your brain is working the best. So I try to schedule my meetings for a little bit later in the day. And then from 12 to about four, I usually take meetings. Um, and then after that, around six o'clock, I log off and go do my thing outside of work. So what do you think the key is to having, to setting yourself up for success? You're very, you're very organized. You know what your day is going to be like. I love everything you just shared with me. Um, My mornings, not that you asked, but my mornings, I have found that I am, I wake up in the morning and I have a million things on my mind. So I just like go to it, go to it. But I'm usually, I have to be at the studio. So it's really fast. So my mornings are not as relaxing as yours um, because I've got to get a lot of things out while I'm thinking. And because everybody wants to train in the morning, nobody wants to train in the middle of the afternoon. And by the middle of the 12, one o'clock, I'm not at my, I'm like tired. I'm hungry. I need to get my workout in. So, you know, for me, I just need to go to bed earlier. But the key to success <laughs> for somebody starting their own business, 
what would you say the key to success for somebody who's going to start? To pick one, I feel like is so hard. Um, I think it's just that you've just got to keep working at it. Um, there are some days, especially when you're managing your own business, and I'm sure you probably feel this way sometimes too, is like you, sometimes you don't want to work. And if you don't have a boss telling you exactly what you need to do, you don't have that structure. Like sometimes it's just not as fun. And I feel like a lot of people have this idea of entrepreneurship being really fun every day. You're just solving all these cool problems and you're working with cool people. But I think like 90% of it is just heads down, getting stuff done, you know, it's just a lot. Yeah. A lot of like blinders on nose to the grindstone. Exactly. Um, but I think if you really kind of stick it through during those times, that's how a business is really born. Like, you know, that's how you're able to kind of build something, um, is by putting the work in. Um, and also of course, just being strategic about what you're doing, like not blindly doing it. Um, but you know, making a plan, having a purpose, and then going after that with, you know, your plan or purpose in mind. I think that's great advice. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So I we have two minutes left until the end of the show. Um, I need to ask you, how do you live a fearlessly authentic life? Yeah. Um, I think for me, it, it just means living intentionally and purposefully. Um, and also, I know it's so cliche, but I was thinking about this before the show. I think, um, you know, the quote of when life gives you lemons, um, that whole concept is kind of like when an opportunity is presented, you kind of evaluate it based on where you're at, what your situation is and pursue it um, and just take any opportunity that kind of comes your way. I feel like we were talking about when you look back on your life and all of these dots are kind of connected. I feel like that's you can't um, really do that unless you really take those dots and you start to draw those dots. I feel like it's really just kind of pursuing any, whatever it is that you want to do just intentionally and purposefully. Yeah. Step into that space. And I feel like that's what you've done. I feel that you really represent a fearlessly authentic person. I think you really stepped into your authenticity and you took risks and look, we're never always fearless because we're always facing fear, right? And I just think you've done a beautiful job of it. And congratulations on your success. Um, really, really happy for you. If um, How can people get in touch with you if they're, they're interested in working for you? We have 30 seconds. Yeah, um, our socials on everything is at Spark Talent Group. And then my own, uh, my email summer at sparktalentgroup.com. So feel free to reach out to me there. Um, I'm also on Instagram. It's just summer underscore L-E-E-E-E. I couldn't get just my name. So I wasn't lucky enough. But um, yeah, just search Summerly and I'll pop up. Wonderful. Summerly, thank you so, so much for being on the show. It was great talking to you. Yeah, thank you so much, Jody. And I will talk to all of you next week. And in the meantime, have a fearlessly authentic rest of your week. I'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you for tuning in this week to Fearlessly Authentic. Please listen again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and unlock the keys to a more powerful you.